Today on the Swim Brief, I'm going to tell you why I don't care at all that Clement Kolesnikov of Russia has just set a world record in the 50 backstroke. But before we get to that, my name is Chris DeSantis. This is the Swim Brief, as I said. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Today's topic is going to be, is it better to set a world record or is it better to win a gold medal? Um, And I started thinking about this today because uh, I saw the news that Clement Kolesnikov, a Russian swimmer, set a world record in the 50 backstroke. Um, I didn't even click on the article. That's how uninterested I was. But I did think a lot about it um, in the context of some other things because it it did make me ask this question. And I realized that this is a question that I have changed my answer to uh, quite a bit since the beginning of me writing about swimming, commenting about swimming, um, and bringing some of that stuff into the fore. I think if you had actually asked me at the outset um, of me doing this stuff, which would have been back in 2007, and we were uh, we were leading up into world record mania at that point because of um, the changes in suit technology, um, I would have told you that I actually thought it was a superior accomplishment to break a world record um, because if I get into my frame of mind at that time, you know, um, you could win a gold medal, but not necessarily uh, have that timeless quality of achieving a performance that nobody had ever achieved before, right? Um, I thought that that was just that extra bit more than um, than winning a gold medal. And I think really we're talking about winning a gold medal at the Olympics here. But, um, you know, I'm thinking of the world championships as well because the world championships are ongoing at the moment and um you know to get into a bit of how i have evolved and how i have uh changed on that i'm going to use a couple of examples and i've actually unearthed video of a swim that um i thought there was just uh, was just lost. And now I'm dating myself in terms of um, uh, swimming internet following. That you know you start to have um, you start to have a bit of Mandela effect. You know, um, look it up. I'm not going to get into the Mandela effect here in uh, in a swimming podcast, but you look it up. You start to wonder: Did I really see this video or? Have I just manifested that I saw this at some point in history? But um, because this video, I, I the website that I found it on, um, let's just say I have no experience with it. It looks a bit sketchy, and um, but it is video of a race that you've probably heard me reference uh, a ton of times on here, and that's Alex Popov's 2000 uh, era. Um, 50 freestyle world record swim 2164 i think at the time the um world record in that event was uh a 217 something um and you know this was uh a big sprint standard swim for a long period of time and 
Um, this was one where even at the time I just said, like, are we really going to celebrate this as a really cool swim? Um, and as I have gotten farther and farther away from it, the, the degree to which I think it explains the point here that it is better to win a gold medal than it is to set a world record. Um, I think it just gets further and further highlighted um, by this. And so let's get into the swim. And um, I'm going to use this uh, opportunity to talk about this swim that uh, I've been nipping around the edges of for a while. And then I'm going to talk about why I think uh, performance is better, but we're going to, we're going to clear this one out of the way first. So let me, let me get into uh, sharing my screen and uh, I can show you guys this video. Um, so what you're going to watch here is um, basically as far as I can understand the background of this swim um, and for those of you listening to the audio version of this, I highly, uh, well, I don't highly recommend actually um, that you go uh, to this, to this website, but I found it on a website called tokivideo.com. Um, I just, just did just do a normal old Google search for Alex Popov 50 freestyle world record. I think I might've put 2164 in my search terms Um because I thought it would give me a better chance of finding it. But um, here it is. Uh, you can go and find this. And as I understand the provenance of this swim, uh, it was basically a specially arranged time trial for Popov at a domestic Russian national meet. You can see um, they have uh, lined up in a 10-lane uh, pool here. Um, and there are, let's see um there are five other swimmers in the heat with popov so he has been put in the middle of the pool and given an open lane on either side of him and um then they're going to race a 50 free i'm going to turn off the russian audio over this you don't need to hear that um while we go through it and he's swimming in the middle of the pool and, you know, he's swimming like Alex Popov and he's going really fast. Um, one thing that I note about these old swims and I would hide one reason I would encourage you to watch the video is man, the finish is bad. Um, one thing that I do not remember about some of these old swims, because uh, also with the world championships in Fukuoka, I was uh, reminiscing about my favorite swims from the first uh, edition of world championships in Fukuoka. And one of them was Anthony Irvin's hundred free. Maybe we'll watch that a little bit later here over the course of this, but man, the finishes were so bad in some of these sprint races. Um, he takes a really, really long stroke into setting the world, then world record in the 50 free. Um, and, uh, obviously we've, uh, come quite away, but you can see Popov in this is wearing a brief. He's not in a cap. Um, this is not 1972. It is, in fact, only 23 years ago. I don't know how this swim got so dated so fast, but here it is. And um, Alex Popov, you know, 
setting the world record. And one of the things that has always bothered me about this swim is that um, I think especially in a 50 and the Kolesnikov swim reminded me of this as well, um, especially in a 50, there are some ways you can really like juice up a performance. Um, I don't know uh, how many people uh, have experience with this at the same level, but especially when you get to a really, um, when you get to like a, a, a increasingly higher level with sprinting, I think that the sprinters tend to benefit quite a bit more from having open water next to them. Um, you've heard Joel talk about it a lot on this podcast, um, how uh, that can influence actually the way you swim and the way you can just sort of find uh, water out in front of you. And so, you know, um, many, 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 many people can do their best performance um, in a 50 uh, if they uh, get to swim it in a time trial situation or even a swim off situation uh, because simply because there's less other people splashing around in the pool with them and it's easier for them to just swim the way that uh, the way that they swim in in practice the other thing that can play a huge role in this 50 and you probably read um for some really big international meets that this has been um that this has been the case uh pools can have currents in them and um especially if you're going to do a 50 long course that's the only race we have um in swimming where you're just going to swim in one direction. And so if you have the current behind you for the entirety of that swim, it's a big advantage. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, it's a big advantage. Uh, and, and we're talking about something that could make a difference of two, three, four tenths in a 50. Um, obviously, like if you look at this uh, this Popov example, if he goes 22.0 at that time, people are like, oh, that's pretty fast, but it's not a world record and it's not a swim that anybody is talking about. Um, so it is quite an important factor in all of this. Um, and so there's just a lot of things you can do, especially in a 50 long course that make me not really willing to get all together that excited about a 50 long course world record. And just before you, you know, before all you Brett Hawk stands jump in and start attacking me, I love sprinting. I'm a lover of sprinting. Um, I, I love fifties. I love fifties a stroke. I would love to see fifties of stroke in the Olympics. And a lot of people that agree with me, on that, I think probably having, um, uh, I could see a world where we have 50s and, and 200s because I think those are uh, more different. <laughs> and um, so I love sprinting, but 
I just don't get that excited about the necessarily, you know, who has gone the fastest uh, time ever in a 50 long course, because there's too much that you can do in one of those situations to juice up some of that uh, performance. Now, one of the things I, I want to get into here is an explanation of what I really like about gold medal swims and how it's maybe less of me getting less nerdy about world record swims and why I'm more into um, gold medal swims because I just started to look at it and, you know, I think performance is great. Um, we have a sport where, you know, there's times on the clock and a lot of people can get oh, obviously real juiced up performance. In fact, if you go to any youth meet, you know, um, any other developmental level, there's going to be a ton of people who are just like care whether they went a best time or not. Um, and I just think that's probably a design flaw in the way we've set up the uh, sport of swimming to get everybody um, so fixated on um, PB, 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 and not as much on the experience of racing other people and attaching some meaning to it. Um, and I know I'm probably going to get some, some flack for that too, because there's going to be people who said, Hey, Chris, you've said that swimming's a great sport because you know, it's like self-improvement and you work on yourself and you try to be a better version. You know, like, okay. I'm not saying that that has no value, but I, I think it's been overvalued in the sport people worrying about what times, I mean, a, a wise man once said to me that, you know, the kid who gets fifth place at his high school dual meet um, has a more meaningful experience doing the sport of swimming than, you know, kid who gets 76 at futures. Now your kid, average kid that gets 76 at futures is probably not getting fifth place in a lot of high school swim meets. They're doing a lot better than that. So they're, they're a better performance wise um, swimmer, but there's something that's so uh, soulless <laughs> about going to a giant swim meet, you know, and swimming your best um, and, you know, finishing in some meaningless place um, of, you know, maybe perhaps more than a hundred athletes versus like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go compete against the next town over and we're going to see who has the better swim team. And um, even though I'm not the best swimmer on the team, in fact, um, I'm far from the best swimmer on the team, whether or not I beat the other guy who's, you know, about my ability level on the other team really will make a difference about whether or not we win this competition. Because I think that performance without competition, um, it's just kind of irrelevant, right? Um, otherwise, we probably would see a lot more of swims like the pop-off swim where people were just engineering circumstances, you know, um, like I think we're going to watch Cameron McAvoy here racing um, at the world championships. He's a big favorite in the 50. Um, I think the best case uh, scenario for him, uh, if he just wanted to break a world record, I think he, could give himself a really good shot if you set up a special time trial with nobody else in the water and just let him rip 
in the middle, especially since he's kind of a, a slider guy. He's not a he's not a big guy. He's probably affected more than average by the waves of the swimmers around him um, when he's trying to swim a race like that. Like I I, I think you know if if he were purely going for performance. Um, there'd be a lot of things he should do instead of go and compete at the world championship. But generally people do go for that. And I think that's why um, I also think the performances are, um, are, are, you know, like the winning of a medal is a little bit more meaningful. And that's because um, people are in general, not necessarily maximizing their chances to break a world record. I know that there are people out there that have that as a goal. Um, but there's a reason why we remember people who win gold medals a lot better than people who set a world record. You know, like if you look up these world record progressions on Wikipedia, I got one last story to tell at the end of this about that. Um, but if you look up these other people, there's a reason why um, we have a little bit of a different attitude um, and just tend to value way more the people who win in competition because we know that in general, culturally, like in the sport, that is actually what people are trying to do at the elite level. They are trying to win in competition. They're not trying to you know, swim some, some performance uh, that they've created the perfect conditions for. They are actually trying to test themselves in a situation that is less than ideal, right? That has um, all sorts of variables that they can't control for that may uh, inhibit their performance. But, you know, they think generally accept that it's, that it's generally fair for them. And, other people and um you know then we then we you know let let those people actually compete it out and see who walks away with it um and i want to bring back to to to, to just to <laughs> highlight the the difference that we assign for world records versus gold medals something that i brought up on this podcast that i still have not gotten a satisfactory answer for i just want to check in on it today because i like you know, I remember thinking about it six months ago and we had a, a, a lively conversation about it on a podcast, maybe even more than six months ago. And I thought like, oh, this will get sorted out and somebody will figure out what it is. But if you look at the world record progression for the 200 IM, um, it will still tell you and there's still one like Internet news article out there that that will tell you that in 1980, um, a 12 year old from South Africa named Jeremy Rheingold, okay, who grew up to be a professional rugby player, um, went 203.0 in a 200 IM long course, okay, um, and broke the world record. And if this was true, then Jeremy Rheingold not only a, a former world record holder, but bar none, the most amazing swimming 12-year-old that we've ever seen. Like, ever. Ever. Just blows every other 
12 year old you can imagine out of the water. Um, I think I looked it up and, you know, uh, 43 years later, like he would be so much faster than the U S national age group record for 12 year olds, um, long course 200 IM. Like he's just, he's just somehow, you know, in 1980, he was miles and miles ahead of the competition. And, um, I think the honest reason why, in case that you can't tech, uh, detect the uh, implication of what I'm saying is, I think it's total BS. And I don't think that this 12-year-old from South Africa ever set a world record in the 200 IM. And the reason why it just goes kind of like uncorrected on the internet is that nobody else cares. Nobody else cares. Nobody else cares who set the world record in 1980. Now, I'm not saying a lot of people care, okay, about who won a gold medal in 1980. Um, that would be especially because we were in a similar circumstance. There was an Olympic boycott. Um, so especially if you're living in the U.S., you don't tend to recognize the results of the 1980 Olympics. But what I would say is that there's a lot more people that care than um, because you can at least get some accurate results <laughs> for, for that or the 1984 Olympics that were boycotted, you know, on the other side of the iron curtain. Um, and, you know, there have been people who've been trying to preserve that history. So that's my thoughts as I'm watching uh, some of these other swims go on the same time as world championships. I've been enjoying watching stuff um, so much shout out to Henry McFadden of Jersey Wahoos, uh, somebody that I've had the pleasure of working with a little bit. Uh, he swam, well, I guess it was last night, U.S. Um, and uh, and today <laughs> in Japan on the 4x200 relay and uh, great swim. He, he uh, helped his team move into finals and ended up winning a silver medal. Um, we're really proud of him back here in South Jersey. And... Um, and it was uh, it was a surreal experience to to watch it if I'm if I'm being totally honest. So congrats to him. Um, congrats to his coach Paul Donovan. Paul, if you're listening, uh, I had to uh, I had to <laughs> give this shout out um, here on the podcast uh, to both you guys. And uh, thank you everybody else for listening. I should get one more podcast at least in next week. Then I'm going on vacation. It's Danish time, people. Um, I don't know that I'll be recording anything from over there. Probably not. Because, um, you know, I wouldn't be taking my own advice if I didn't um, take some vacation. But uh, thank you, everybody, sincerely um, for listening. If um, if you really want to help this podcast, uh, can you get on Spotify and give this a review? Give us a positive review. That would be really great. Um, you know, look for the YouTube version of this. Give me your thoughts on the pop-up swim. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Write me at swimbriefpodcast at gmail.com. Um, love to get your messages there and answer some questions. Uh, that's a new feature that we have here on the podcast, Instagram, Christy underscore coach, CD swim coach on Facebook. And, uh, thank you guys and bye.